Greetings and aloha. Welcome to another edition of the Holistic Human Optimization Show. I am your host, Ronnie Landis, and we have another deep dive, exciting episode with some pretty exciting, very intriguing concepts that we are going to continue to unpack related to the journey, the pursuit, the quest for invincible health, optimized performance, holistic, integrative lifestyle, and ultimately towards maximizing our human potential in this life that we get to enjoy on planet Earth. This episode is one of those unique episodes that um, I would be hard-pressed to find anyone that's really bringing these concepts together. There are people of the past that have brought these ideas together. Of course, I wouldn't be able to actually articulate them half as well if I wasn't exposed to other individuals that uh, in my journey bestowed jewels of wisdom and insight and had the articulation to actually articulate these ideas. This is one of those unique episodes that um, I feel is absolute paramount in importance for people that truly, truly are interested in optimized health and wellness and connecting natural patterns, natural lifestyle habits, and really nature in of itself to the health, the wellness, the performance, and really the puzzle of just being a human being in contemporary times in the 21st century. This is one of the most important pathways and understandings of the entire picture of what does it mean to be an evolving human being in the 21st century? How do we connect and bridge the ancestry of our genetic lineage and all the memories that have been encoded within our DNA? How do we connect that in a real, embodied, in a very real, connected way, in a visceral way, a shamanic way, with the technological momentum of the world that we live in and the world that we're embarking into. This is a consistent theme that showed up a few times in prior episodes. It's a, it's a quandary. It's a quandary that we all kind of live with. Some of us are probing deeper into it than others. My invitation with this episode and many others is that you go a little bit deeper. And that's the purpose of me putting together this information, these perspectives is to allow you to have a framework that makes sense logically, rationally, it makes sense. It also taps you into something maybe emotionally, something metaphysically, something deeper than just what's on the surface of the, the acronym diet, you know, the ABCs of diets and fads and short-term solutions to long-term problems. And all the, the minutia that we are exposed to each and every day of our, you know, our conventional dietary health world and, you know, all the, the biohacks and the shortcuts and all that stuff, right? This is anything other than a shortcut type of conversation. And we need to stop taking shortcuts and we need to take the long road back home because what we're going to talk about today is how to get back home and the topic of today's episode is Elemental Nutrition Biospherical Supplementation. Now, uh, this is something that I've been talking about for many, many years. I try to weave these principles in some way, shape, or manner into all of my talks. Um, it really is the foundation of the entire philosophical structure of my work in the lens in which I'm looking through when I'm advising people on how to how to really create a blueprint for their life, it has to lead us back to nature, whether that's natural instincts, that's natural eating patterns, that's natural movement patterns, and that's immersing ourselves into nature itself. And so we're going to get into a few really, really fascinating um areas here that are going to connect all together. The first place to start is with a term that was coined by a guy named Daniel Vitalis. He was very influential, his perspectives, his ideas, very influential for me um, earlier in my, 
I guess, my journey of, of what he coined, which is rewilding. And that term really stuck with me, especially when I was deep into raw food. I mean, I still am, but when I was really, really getting into it in the beginning, had an entire transformation and really got connected to my natural environment and all the things that I'm going to talk about with you, this term rewilding was really interesting because ultimately what has occurred for all of us in our technological, industrial you know, revolution a few hundred years ago and where we are today is that we have been really conditioned through domestication. We have been, we have been domesticated and conditioned to operate based on civilization. Civilization really means civil states and there's a whole, you know, root, root of all that. And you could go back into that if that's interesting, where the root word of civilization or civil states and what it means to be civilized versus what it means to be a wild, adapted, natural human being. Two very different things. And yet I think that there is an intersection and an integration of those two things where we can be civil we can live in a civilization and also be deeply connected to our wild roots. Now, through domestication, like when you domesticate a plant or an animal, you are essentially breeding out the wild genetics and then the weaker genetics are, are left over. And you know, with plants, basically what, what the purpose of that is, is that they're breeding out what are called alkaloid chemicals. These alkaloids are the bitter principle of certain herbs, particularly, you know, you could think of something like dandelion or um, milk thistle, horsetail, nettles, things of this nature, almonds even. In the early 1900s, almonds were unpasteurized and they were more in their wild heirloom state and they had a concentration of a compound called vitamin B17 or laetrile or a magdalene. You may have heard those terms. It's um, used in certain alternative cancer therapies. Well, vitamin B17 was highly concentrated in almonds until they started breeding the almonds and, and basically uh, yeah, breeding them and hybridizing them to the point where those wild components got bred out of them. And so they were no longer as vigorous they were no longer as strong and really no longer as medicinal. And now we have kind of the almonds that we do. And this has happened with all of our food, all of our plant food, even to the animals. The cow that we have now, the domesticated, hybridized, genetically engineered cow that has been bred for the sole purpose of really being butchered and going onto the market as, you know, a piece of meat really – and for dairy products, that cow at one point in our history was a completely different creature. Um, it was called the aurochs, and it was it was unmilkable. It was like like the cross between I guess what we have now is a cow and something like a rhino. You know, something that was you know you couldn't go up and milk this thing. This was a wild you know animal, um, and. That's an example, right? So, you know, we have a lot of deconditioning. We have a lot of rewilding that needs to happen. And so this concept really built itself into my worldview of, of health and wellness and what it really truly means to be truly, you know, an evolutionarily focused on, on a liberated holistic health system that liberates us from the, the domestication of conditioning. And it also leads us into um, shamanic forms of nutrition. So we're going to get into all this. This is exciting. I really, you know, I've been waiting to get into this topic. So we've alluded to it. So some of these concepts I'm going to talk about, they've been dove into or sprinkled into other episodes. We're going to bring it all together in today's talk. So the first thing that I really want to talk about is this idea of elemental nutrition. So we think of nutrition as maybe macronutrients, our proteins, our fats, and our carbohydrates. That's one level of nutrition. Then we go a step below and we a step above and we go into micronutrients. When we get into minerals and trace minerals and we get into polysaccharide, full-spectrum sugars. We get into essential fatty acids and different types of fatty acids. 
Um, you know, we get into probiotics and enzymes and things of this nature. Then we go a step above and get into things like M-state minerals or Ormus minerals, monoatomic minerals, um, very unique types of elements that are very rarefied and unique compounds that at one point in our Earth's history, our Earth was teeming with these things, and the plants and the, the environment, the ecosystem was much larger, much more colorful, much more vibrant, and, and much more teeming with life force than it is right now. And a large part of that is because of the Ormus concentration that was on the planet at one point in our history before, again, civilization domesticated the landscape of our planet. So this domestication idea has been taking place on all levels of our ecosystem and also our inner ecosystem as a human being, which we are going to connect those dots as we go along. So elemental nutrition is really this idea that we have to connect back to the elements of our earth. And the elements is a multi is a multi-phase or a multi uh dimensional conversation because when we think of the elements, there's three components, I would say. There's three or four components that I can think of right off the top of my head that constitute what I call elemental nutrition. There's a, a physical body, right? We have our physical body which has receptor sites for specific, um, let's say, specific nutrients. Um, we'll call it nutrients at the moment. And we have receptor sites that affect our physical body. Then we also have our emotional body that is also connected and, and nourished by the elements, the energies of the elements. We have our psychological body, our noosphere, our psychic um, our psychic body, our mental body, if you will, that is also nourished and connected in a very deep way, in an ancestral way, to the elements. And then we also have our subtle body, which you might call your spirit body. Um, then that is also very deeply connected as well. So the elemental nutrition idea is that we need to have a sufficiency of elemental um, elemental nourishment in the, in the food that we get is also connected to the elements. So we're, we're going to go a little bit deeper into that. Um, and then the second thing is the biospherical supplementation. I think that's a really interesting way of breaking those two things down. They're ultimately speaking to the same thing, but it's an interesting way to compartmentalize those terms to uh, just kind of break it down and to explore the meaning for yourself. So I think the first thing to talk about is what is the biosphere anyways? Well, the biosphere is ultimately the interconnectivity of our entire ecosystem. So the different components, particularly the four main components of our ecosystem are housed and connected through our biosphere. That is what connects the entire ecosystem together. And that's why I call this biospherical supplementation because our entire idea of supplements and we did an entire episode on supplements our cultural interpretation of a supplement is um, a set of nutrients a nutrient a, maybe a pharmaceutical a synthetic compound that we ingest and then we supplement deficiencies within our body that mostly is associated with something that we're not getting from our food supply, which is very accurate. And there's also another form of supplementation, maybe the most powerful form of supplementation and the reason why most human beings in civilization need excessive amounts of supplements um, in order to fill in those gaps, because where are those gaps essentially coming from? Where is the origin of those deficiencies? I don't think it's just our food. I think it's actually a little bit deeper. It's where our food originally came from. And I don't mean just like the mineral deficiencies in our soil. That is obviously a huge component of it. But it's a little bit deeper than that. It's our actual physical connection to the earth itself. It's our physical connection to the earth itself, and through being separated from the earth, we have been separated 
mind, body, spirit, and the, you know the, our, our our energy field, all of that together has been dislocated and has created deficiencies and weaknesses within all of these proverbial bodies that all interlink together. And this is why we have the, the health crisis in the, the, the psychological, emotional, and spiritual crises that we have in our world right now. So it's not just enough to go to the store and find your B12 supplement or to find your DHA supplement or to find your mineral supplement. All these things, of course, I obviously promote this because you need it. And the reason you need it is deeper than what's on the surface. And that's what we're going to talk about. So before we get into that, I do want to bring this point back up to connect us here. We've talked about in prior episodes the idea of like the hermetic principles. One in particular was the, the principle or the law of gender and polarity. Now, I'm just going to I'm just going to reiterate something that I've mentioned in a few other uh episodes. I think it was the 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 um the life force principles and it was really around like the Taoist tonic principles that this really came into the conversation, which is the idea of the divine union of the sun and the earth. And this idea that the heavenly father is associated with masculinity and that the, the primary compound or element or atom that concentrates in the, in the sun and in the, 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 the cosmos is hydrogen. And hydrogen is the impregnating compound, meaning that is the masculine component that impre, impregnates Mother Earth, always associated as a feminine component, and impregnates that through the oxygenation of the earth. So hydrogen and oxygen come together, and then they create a new form of life called H2O. And then you have the hydrological cycle through uh, something called the hydrosphere, which is what we're gonna get. We're gonna actually get into that and go a little bit deeper into what water is <clears throat> and all these other components as well. So I want to point that out too. And this is the interconnectivity of all things is that one thing is giving life to another and they work in a system just like our body. Our body works in a complete harmonic system. And when the harmony, the symphonic harmony is playing out of tune, meaning something is not integrated or aligned with the system, then we have problems. And this is, this is ultimately what we're dealing with as a whole. So the first place to start here, let's just get into the, let's get into this idea of biospherical supplementation and the elemental nutrition perspective. Let's start talking about the four, the four elements of our, uh, of our earth, if you will, of our planet is a better way of saying it. Now, the first one is the geosphere. The geosphere is the geology of the earth. So you think of like crystallology, mineralology, the minerals, the crystals, the soil, all that kind of thing is the, 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 the earth. So the geosphere is earth. Now, what's important about that as it pertains to this conversation in, in, in a form of supplementation is that we have a direct connective link in our actual biology to the earth itself. In other words, there is an entire field of study called earthing or grounding. This was one of the first things I got into when I got into my health journey. I started understanding the connection between my bare skin and the physical ecstatic skin of the earth. In permaculture, it's called the ecstatic skin of the earth. So when you actually connect your hand into the soil, and you're, you know, like gardeners, for example, there's a reason that gardeners are extremely healthy. It's a meditative exercise because you're actually connecting to the electromagnetic field of the earth and your body is being nourished by what's called negative ions, otherwise known as antioxidant electrons that your body is being nourished by. And so when you connect your feet barefoot on the earth, particularly grass, sand, um, uh, like a, an actual natural surface, 
then you are creating more of an electrical sufficiency in your body. One of the interesting things about this that I learned is that, well, there's a lot of things I learned about this, how it actually affects our brain waves and stabilizes the hemispheres of the brain and actually balances the right and left hemispheres of the brain together when we are earth for about 45 to 90 minutes. There's also a scientifically documented blood thinning effect when in the number I believe is between 45 minutes and 90 minutes of complete direct skin to skin touch uh, skin to skin contact with the earth. And uh, this is also this is also one of the reasons when somebody goes to the beach or something, somebody goes to Hawaii and they have all this idea of like, okay, I'm going to do this hike. I'm going to do all these things. They get to the beach and they lay down and then they knock out. The reason for that is because it brings your body back into more of a parasympathetic state. And typically people are so overrun with cortisol and adrenaline and they've normalized and adapted to that, that their body is actually on more of a sympathetic state most of the time and they don't really realize that they're imbalanced so they get to the beach and they're they're just overwhelmed with negative ions in a, in a nice way it just kind of it's just oh it's just in the it's in the atmosphere it's in the environment and they get into the water they get onto the sand they lay down then they just knock out and they take a you know one two three hour nap and then they wake up and they're like you know, they're feeling way more rejuvenated or maybe not, maybe a little groggy, but you know, they're basically getting reset. Their system is attempting to reset itself because those negative ions are a critical nutrient that we don't get anywhere else that is built into our the fabric of our, our being and natural human beings would be getting these all of the time. So because of domestication and the dislocation of ourself and the earth, there's a couple things that actually show up metaphysically and emotionally. This is a disconnection from our mother. And there is, a, there is no telling how many human beings, myself included, I was raised by my mom and my grandmother growing up, but there was a lot of issues and um, you know, there, like I, you know, this also ties into the whole metaphor of the heavenly father. I think I was always searching for kind of a father archetype and was very rebellious, rebellious, very just agitated, angry, um, but also a very good kid at the same time. I just had this void inside of me and my physical mother could never fill that because it wasn't about her per se. It was actually seeking the, the mother. And I was never connected to the earth. So when I started actually getting connected to the earth, really when I went to Hawaii for the first time, I started having a lot of emotional um, kind of processes. And that's actually when I started to go into the field of you know healing emotional issues and wounds. And this, this kind of woke me up to it because I think something was being triggered inside of me of a, a void from long before. And so this is the connection to the mother. And this is something that has been stripped from us. And it's a very deep metaphysical phenomenon. So um, there, there is a physical component, an emotional component, a psychological component, as we mentioned. And then there's a metaphysical, spiritual component of our connection to the geosphere, to the earth, getting grounded. Um, there's a lot of other interesting scientific research we could mention about that, but I think that's good for now. The next uh, element is the hydrosphere. We also know this as the hydrological cycle. This is water. This is water. And this, this is, um, man, this is such a long, this is such a deep topic. And, and for me in particular, because I have just been, uh, I've been a spring water advocate for at least nine to ten years now, going out to the source, getting live, raw spring water, unprocessed spring water. This is a topic that definitely needs a bit of a, um, a bit of a deep dive. It can be an entire episode in of itself. But you know, when we think of our connection to the earth, there is the, the, the hydrospherical or hydrological 
perspective here. So again, we're connecting to the element of water. To me, what that means on the physical level, the health and wellness level, is the quality of the water that we are taking into our body on a regular basis. And this is a very important consideration because there is a huge difference between living spring waters and processed forms of water. Now, in our culture, we understand the idea of processed food, right? Processed food is, you know, it's the worst ever. It's not even real food. We, we know that it has no benefit to us and we don't actually, you know, it's, it's just something that we don't deal with anymore, right? Ideally, and we move into living foods and foods that are natural, natural, organic, original foods. We get that. We're comfortable with that idea. But what about the idea of processed, manipulated, piping water, water that's gone through what are called right angle turns that have disturbed the molecular hydrogen oxygen structure of that water. So essentially it's unstructured water. The the structure that holds the actual information of the water has been um, broken up a little bit. So it's, it's, it's fragmented, it's scattered energy and the water itself actually has a dissonant frequency and because water is a solvent, it does imbue the, the, the homeopathic energies of the substances that it is encoded with, meaning that the, the, you know, if it's going through a piping system, for example, the iron that it's going, that's going to the iron or the steel or whatever that is being, whatever particulates that are matriculating into the water, um, the plastic that the water is sitting in, water is a solvent, so water has a dissolving effect on anything other than glass, really. Um, or really, really solid, strong forms of plastic that are single-use plastics that are not weak and, and that, that um, don't break down easily, right? But if, then if you apply like um, uh, sunlight and, um, you know, heat, high heat temperatures, then it can actually break down plastic as well. So that's not really a good thing. So that's an important thing in of itself is glass, going towards glass for storing your water, but ultimately, the point of this is to get us away from this idea of processed water. What's processed water? Filtered water, manipulated water. So reverse osmosis, distillation, um, um, you know, alkalizers, Kangen water machines, all these different things, water systems built into your house. Um, these are all processed water. Now, these are also very important at the same time because of the world we live in, we're certainly not trying to drink tap water. Me personally, I'm not trying to drink anything that comes out of the tap. Ideally, um, whatever the filtration system is, I am adverse to drinking anything that comes out of the tap because I have been living on spring water for so many years and gone to different springs or have gotten spring water that was unprocessed and untreated delivered to my house wherever I am in the world, and I've, I, have, I have saturated my being. I've literally rebuilt my entire blood chemistry out of living water that it's the only thing that actually hydrates me because that water is naturally structured by the earth itself. That water has gone through, through the hydrological system, it has gone through the formation of what we know as ennobled water that comes out of the spring when it makes its first appearance in the outer atmosphere and that water could have been incubating in what's called underground aquifers in the earth for hundreds of years. So there's a lot of information that is encoded in the structure of that water that when you taste that water, you are also getting downloaded with the information and the, the intelligence of the ecosystem that the water has been incubating in. And I can say intuitively, every single place I've ever traveled in the world, one of the things I know is that if I want to connect to the environment and the ecosystem of that place, the quickest way to do it is two things. I drink the water from a nearby spring. Obviously, that's been tested. There's a TDS, a total dissolves um, a total dissolved solid meter that you can test water to see if it has a high amount 
of heavy minerals like iron and particularly calcium. You don't want heavy minerals or high counts of calcium in your water. So that's something, you know, obviously there's a common sense component of this. There's a website called findaspring.com that for well over a decade is tr has tracked and compiled all of the different springs that people all over the world have um, located, have tested, and are, are viable drinking sources of water are in, and have all that information on it. So that's something that you can check out. I guarantee that there is a spring in your ecosystem closer than you think. And through that resource, you can find it pretty easily. Uh, where's I going with that? Yeah, so there's there's two things. So I drink the water that immediately hydrates me and connects me to the to the ecosystem. Then I get in the water. This is the other thing about water is that's not just about drinking it. You got to get into the water. One of the most powerful things that I, I do for my nervous system and my stress response system and really for anti-inflammation and healing is something called hydrotherapy. Hydrotherapy is really, it's water therapy. And so you might have heard of the hot cold method, you know, being in the shower, doing 30 seconds of cold, 30 seconds of hot, doing that on and off. I personally got to the point where I don't, I'm adverse to hot water, not hot springs. I love hot springs. Sulfur springs are amazing. But if I take a shower, I'm kind of adverse to warm water. I've, I have adapted my system to cold water and that's really a healing situation. One of the things I want to I want to explain something about um, hot and cold real quick about the energetics of it. Um, when you heat water up, let's say that you're creating what's called a decoction to make a tea. You're decocting particular herbs in hot water, and they're they're releasing the water soluble nutrients into the base of the water. What's what you're doing with the water is that you're heating it up, so you're dispersing the concentrated water molecules, the hydrogen, the oxygen molecules that have been bound and parabound together through their magnetic polarity of attraction, they're, they're unbinding themselves and the water is expanding. So that's the expansion principle of water. Now, when you have cold water, those molecules bind and they concentrate and they merge. They parabond together. And what's interesting about this is that cold water, particularly ice cold water, concentrates more energy. So you'll notice if you're doing cold showers, immediately you become energetic, right? And a lot of people may not understand what's actually occurring on the body level here because we're made mostly of water, aren't we? So there's an interesting metaphor here. We're made mostly of water. So all that, all those, that, the water inside of us concentrates. Now, obviously, we're not going to turn into um, turn into the, the solid form of water. We're not going to turn into an ice cube or anything, but we're concentrating all of that energy within us and we become more energetic. You notice your mind clears up instantaneously. Your nervous system adapts and becomes more energetic. When you're in a hot body of water, when you're in a sulfur spring or a hot shower, you become more lethargic right all you become more relaxed which can be deceiving because it can actually weaken you and cause you to lose energy through perspiration through through the 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 volatilization of that water coming off of your body and that water is dispersing it's expanding so there you know it's expansion contraction expansion contraction that's the hot cold idea um and i like doing that with more like a sauna instead of hot water, I think doing that with the sauna in cold water is a pretty amazing kind of way to do it. Or you have a sauna and then you have an ice bath and you go back and forth. Now that is amazing way to stack this principle, the, the hot, cold contraction expansion principle here. Um, another thing about water I want to mention is that there's an interesting thing called the four phases of water. Now, if you study chemistry, um, you, we were only taught three phases of water, which is that water can either be in a solid form, a liquid form, or a gaseous form. Now, through um, the work of a man called Dr. Gerald Pollack, who I had on my podcast about almost four years ago, maybe three, three and a half years ago, um, I interviewed him. It's like, I think it's episode... Um, like 19, it's like episode 20 or 21 or 22, something like that. 
And we dove deep into this. And so the fourth phase of water, just very simply put, is called the easy or exclusion zone. And he explains it as when he's studying water, it's it's a particular zone in the, the water structure that is pure water, meaning that there's no other like elements or, or any kind of chemicals or whatever in it. Um, what we found out and through that conversation, because I probed him on this, I, I, I felt like I knew exactly what is he was still researching this. There was a lot of areas that he had not gone into. He had not really studied living spring water to any real extent. He was studying like filtered water, distilled water, these kind of things. And um, also studying, and I brought in this whole idea of green juice, like would that easy state of water, would that exclusion zone also apply to green vegetable juice? And he said, absolutely, yes. And what we kind of figured out is that what the easy, what the easy um, phase of water, the exclusion zone, basically is it's living water. So when you're looking at water, like true water, I would say, I don't mean pure water in the form of distilled H2O, I mean pure, like living water, it's the living vibration of the water itself. Just because you have H2O does not mean that it is alive, and that is a huge principle. Water is not just its chemical components of H2O. Um, there is life force and information encoded in that water if it is properly structured, particularly through the elements in the life force of the earth itself. You can't restructure, re-manipulate water to come back into its ennobled spring water form. And that's why I'm such a spring water advocate, and you can tell because I, I can't stop talking about it and how amazing it is. That's absolutely critical. We got to move on. We got a, a few more things to get into. So the next thing is the atmosphere. The atmosphere is air, the element of air, right? And this is really, this is key and critical um, that we have proper breathing air. In our home, we have created a situation where you have this artificial box. But one thing that's interesting about this is that when you look at a home, it's basically mimicking artificially a natural environment. You have this box with potentially artificial air conditioning and you have, uh, you have these ceilings with artificial lighting, right? And then you have this, this ground that has an artificial layer there, not quite the earth, but it's an artificial layer. Um, and then you have your water system, right? Which is an artificial water system. So you have an artificialized environment that we have boxed ourselves into. And when that comes to the atmosphere, the air that we're breathing in, we have to actually have proper ventilation and air purification because air is electrolyzed. It's electrical, just like the earth, just like our water, just like the, the sun in a sense, electrical or electromagnetic. And this is, this is how we support the electrical, the electrical conductivity of our human body, what our body actually runs on primarily. And so ventilation, having the right ventilation system, having, having cool air coming through your house, not boxing your house up with closed windows and closed doors all the time, turning on air conditioning and that kind of thing, having a natural flow of, of air coming through your house, particularly in your bedroom when you're sleeping, um, an air purification like a HEPA filter because one of the things that does happen in your home is that you have all these seemingly invisible microscopic air particles or particles that are in the air. If you have an animal, like I have a cat roaming around my place right now, there's all kind of hair that is in the air. And this all has microorganisms and, and things of this nature that we're breathing in and we don't see. Um, bacteria, all the, you know, VOCs, volatile organic compounds that are off-gassing our home material, the, the paint on the walls and our, our whatever, furniture, all these things. So having at least like a HEPA filter, some kind of purification device that's recycling what's going on in the air and then can re-electrolyze the air molecules so we're breathing in electrically charged air, not dead air 
right? Very important. Um, then the next thing is the heliosphere, or what's also called the photosphere. So this is the sun, right? What, a, what an incredible topic this is to talk about. One of the things I want to talk about with the sun is that, um, you know, I'm not going to get into the, the whole malarkey and the whole, like, thing around the sun causing cancer. I, mean, I think that's if you've been in this field for any amount of time, you know that that's a bunch of nonsense. And that has been disputed time and time again. One of the things we know for sure that does lead to skin cancers and melanomas and things and skin conditions is that the, 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 the chemicals that we're placing on top of our skin and also in our skin, in our lymphatic system, in our blood from ingesting these chemicals or these food-like byproducts and things is that they are cooking when we're underneath the sun. They are cooking into the skin. They're cooking underneath the skin in our body. And the photon rays of the sun, particularly the, the UVA um, band of light, is cooking those chemicals and they are that is that's the chemical reaction of that is what causes quote unquote cancer or skin conditions. Now the sun in of itself, the UV the UVB rays in particular are extremely healing and critical. We have more vitamin D3 receptors on our body, on the surface of our skin, the microbiome of our skin, and in our body than any other receptor for any other compound, even more than CBD itself. So this tells you that we are biologically designed to take in the sun, not to mention the incredible benefits of sun gazing, properly sun gazing, particularly when you are barefoot, on the earth, so you're electrically connected to the earth and the rhythms, the, the, the actual rhythmic cycles of the earth, which also affects your circadian biological cycles, by the way, and your hormone cycles. And then you are looking towards the sun. You're not looking directly at the sun. This is a misconception. You're looking towards the sun, particularly 45 minutes before or during sunrise, and then 45 minutes sundown, something like that, not at the noon particularly, unless you've adapted your eyes. I can do this because I've adapted it over years, um, and I've predisposed myself to some of the some of the hottest, most intense suns around, you know, through Hawaii and different subtropical environments, and laying out in the sun literally for an entire day, many, many days in a row, and never getting sunburned, by the way. I never, ever seem to ever get sunburnt. And I don't, I barely even do coconut oil on my skin. Now I love coconut oil. I probably should do it. I just forget to do it because I don't seem to need it. I don't need to protect myself from the sun because I have adapted myself to being in communion and full receptivity to the sun. Both my skin and also the optic nerves of my eyes are adapted to the sun. I have no resistance to it. I invite it. I receive it. And this is a huge principle right there. And I think that's also part of the connection to Father Sky. Our connection to the sun has a deep connection to our, our the sun being the sun. You know, if you're a woman, that might be a different metaphor. But as a son to the Heavenly Father, right from a theological perspective, there's a deep metaphor there. I, I feel that our aversion to the sun has to be related to our phobia or fear of nature itself. And what's causing that? Well, we're afraid of our, our nature, our inner nature, our natural nature, because we don't really know who we are. We've been domesticated for so long. We're absolutely confused and have an identity, an existential identity crisis about what, who we are in this, this human experience. And we think that we're this, whatever, cosmetic, you know, artificial being living this, this finite life, living, you know, working these jobs and this kind of thing. We have just been disconnected from our, our father, our natural father, our universal father, just like we've been disconnected from our universal mother. And this is why I brought in the whole hydrogen, oxygen, father, sky, mother, earth, meeting and union idea, because when you do connect to the water, it connects you to everything else. It connects you to your mother and it can, through the womb of a, of, a, of a spring or the womb of the earth when you're, when you're in a river. It, it charges you. And then when you're connected to the sun, 
It invigorates you and you become connected to the natural cycles and the paternal nature of life itself. I believe that completely. That's my own direct experience. So with all that said, let's move into um, the last part of this talk and we're running low on time. So I'm going to try to move through this quickly here. Now, one of the things I want to explain about the human being, and this is largely from Rudolf Steiner's perspective, which is that we are like an inverted plant or a tree with its soil inside of it, and we're carrying that soil around inside of us. So what this really is pointing to is the microvilli and the microbiome of our internal body. And the, the symbiotic microorganisms that live within us and that also are live without us in the soil, in our environment, of the, all the, the, you know, the elements in of themselves all have their own form of a microbiotic environment or ecosystem. And the external ecosystem is also directly reflected to our internal ecosystem that we call the microbiome and in your small intestine you have something called the microvilli and the microvilli are like the finger-like protrusions that extend off the 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 abdominal wall and the the small intestine that pull in the nutrients that pull that into the intestinal wall into the blood and help you metabolize it really to absorb the nutrients that you're getting from food or other substances. And so this is an important bridging point here is that our external world of all the elements that we talked about is directly reflected and mimicked by our internal ecosystem. And to further drive that point, I want to talk about the four pathways of detoxification, which mimic the four elements or the bi the four biospherical supplementation um, uh, devices, if you want to call it that, that I just went through. And this gets, this is where it just gets trippy here, how much of a mirror this is. So let's go through that. You have your colon. Now, the, the, elimina the elimination action of your colon is defecation. Now, that is also connected to the element of earth because you take in earth compounds and you're taking in food that was grown from the earth. You put that into your body. It fertilizes the soil inside of you and then you release the, the the matter, the unusable matter, which is mostly bacteria, you release that ideally in a natural cycle back into the earth. So the colon is directly connected to the earth. And that, that would also be connected to our overall intestinal system and the microbiome itself. And so that represents the element of earth. And then we look at the kidneys the, the elimination action of the kidneys is urination. And so that's where you're, you're processing mostly water-soluble toxins that have been filtered through the liver and now that are going through the kidneys. And so when you urinate, you're urinating all kinds of different things, but particularly water-soluble toxins, removing that from the body. That's what the kidneys do. And the kidneys are related to the element of water, right? So this is interesting. When you start to think about all of this, you start to realize this is far more important than we ever realized. And these are essential components of every aspect of our human experience. Now let's go to the lungs. The elimination process of the lungs is respiration. And then we talked about how important our air quality is for our respiratory system and through breath work is another incredible um, modality here. And that's how we eliminate all the, 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 um, the, the toxins in our air and whatever – a lot of things that are going through the body are being processed through the respiratory system. And through exhalation, through respiration, we're releasing toxins in our lungs. And that, of course, is connected to the element of air. Now, the last one is the skin. Your skin is the largest organ in the human body, and the elimination action of the skin is perspiration. Perspiration. We typically perspire when we're working out, we're moving, doing a rebounder, um, but particularly when there is some kind of heat, some kind of thermal activity that is occurring 
on our skin or underneath our skin. So like infrared, near infrared saunas help to create perspiration through creating a thermoactivity, a heat wave activity and creating what's called heat shock proteins underneath the skin at the cell level. And that's one of the forms that our skin is actually perspiring out a lot of the toxins that are held underneath the skin and the lymph system and our cells and things of that nature. Um, but when the skin touches or when the, when, the, when the sun touches the skin and we're out in the sun, what do we do? We obviously perspire. So that's the elimination action of the skin and that's connected to the element of the sun. So, wow. Okay, that another incredible deep, deep dive into yet another series of topics that I've been thinking about, mulling over, deeply researched, and um, you know, I just wanted to share all that with you as always. This is so much fun for me. I'm so excited that I finally decided to do this series. Um, so there you go. Everything is connected. Now, if you want to go deeper into all this and integrate it with your holistic lifestyle, I highly recommend that you check out my online holistic nutrition program, the Holistic Health Mastery Program. I go deeper into all of these. I break it all down and I bring it all together in a, in a, a variety of ways. Um, also, my book, The Holistic Health Mastery Program, goes deeper into all this. And the Inner Alchemy Youthening Program book also goes over this in different detail as well. There's a lot more information that we could go dive, we could dive, we could dive deeper into in all of these subjects. But I just wanted to kind of give you the brushstroke and connect all those pieces together for you. And hopefully that makes more sense. And you can create a nature-based rewilding strategy to connect back to nature, connect back to your inner wild nature, activate your let your dormant genetics for human potential and become the best version, the wildest version, while also being self-regulated in a society that requires that. And we can continue to explore these concepts more, what becoming the healthiest, most vital, wild, empowered, invincibly healthy version of ourself looks like, feels like, and all the rest. Thank you so much for joining me.